guys, what's going on, man? Welcome back to another episode of Arsenio's ESL Podcast. And here we are today with another another TOEFL IBT special. Man, I've seen that you guys loved the podcast with Beluga Wells. Uh, for some of you who do watch me, obviously, either if it's on Facebook or YouTube, um, I post this normally on my podcast. And of course, I record both the audio and the video. So I post it before podcast that comes out a little bit later. But today, in saying that, we're going to be focusing on a lecture. All right, this is a little bit more difficult. Four minutes and 34 seconds is what I had counted. And this is called the Bronze Age. Again, I've been intrigued a lot by, obviously, Egypt and, you know, history in general. And I do love these audios because it teaches me a lot about, you know, history and its finest too, rather than just obviously going through a book and just dealing with the same lunacy that these schools have been just shoving down our throats for such a long time. But today is a hard one, okay? This is my blog, thearseneobuckshow.com. You can check your answers on there. You're going to see me note take. For everyone else out there, you're going to hear me a note take. We're gonna go over my notes. And then we're going to see if my notes coincide and help me with answering the questions. I've done this before, all right? And again, if you guys are watching me on video, you see this big thing on my back. Finally, I've invested into a chair and it makes my videos so much better because the comfortability of this is unbelievable. But today's not about the chair, it's about you. It's about helping you. And we're gonna be diving into this. So if you guys are interested, Patreon badge, $50 a month, you get listening, integrated writing tasks, coaching hours, you get a lot of different things, right? So if you are on a budget and you would like to learn on a monthly basis, and if you're going to take the test maybe in April or May, consider this. Reach out to me. We'll talk about it. Nonetheless, let's get right into this bad boy. I shared everything, and man, it is time to listen to the Bronze Age. Here's why the Bronze Age was referred to as the Bronze Age. Yes. Brittany. Bronze was a very popular item to trade during that time. Correct. And when we were talking about trade and commerce during the Bronze Age, during the last lecture, we learned that over 3,000 years ago, trading of bronze between countries around the Mediterranean was extremely popular, as Brittany mentioned. They were not only making objects out of bronze, but other materials as well. Believe it or not, but uh, glass was one of the things that they traded. In fact, there was an excavation in Egypt recently on the Nile River where they discovered an ancient glass factory. Previously, we thought that they weren't actually making the raw glass, that they were just importing the unfinished glass from Mesopotamia and simply reworking it. As we all remember from the last lecture, Mesopotamia is a region consisting of parts of Syria, Iraq, Iran, and Turkey. Meanwhile, most archaeologists believe that the glass factories were in Mesopotamia because that's where the oldest known glass comes from. Steve. How did they make the glass? Actually, Steve, there were two production stages of making glass. In the first stage, they made disks of raw glass. In the second stage, they melted that raw glass, the glass disks, and they were able to create decorative objects. But we don't know too much about how ancient people made the disks of raw glass in the first stage. But from this newly excavated site on the Nile River, we learned that there were actually several processes involved in the first stage. First, they took quartz, 
a colorless, transparent mineral, and crushed it. Then they took that crushed quartz and mixed it with plant ash. What is plant ash? The ashes that are left after you burn plant material. They slowly heated this mixture at a relatively low temperature in small containers like jars that were made out of clay. This created a glassy-like material, which they then grounded up into a powder and then used metallic dye to color it. Next, they poured the colored powder out into disc-like molds and heated them up to very high temperatures so that they would melt. Once they were cooled, they broke the molds, and inside were the glass discs. These discs were shipped out to other sites within Egypt as well as places around the Mediterranean. You said there were two stages. What was the second stage of production? Right. In the second stage, the discs were reheated and, of course, shaped into decorative objects. So what kind of objects were people making back then? Well, Steve, the most common objects we found mostly in Egypt and Mesopotamia, they were beads. One thing the Egyptians were very good at was imitating precious stones. They created some beads that looked so much like emeralds and pearls that it was very difficult to distinguish them from the real thing. So they just made beads while imitating precious stones? They also created beautiful vessels with narrow necks. They were probably really valuable, so they wouldn't have been used to hold cooking oil or common food items. They were probably used for expensive liquids, such as perfume. What's interesting is that the glass made at this factory was mostly red, which indicates they used copper. Of course, any kind of glass was very valuable, so these red bottles would have been mostly owned by wealthy people. In fact, because it was so difficult to make and sort of mysterious and complicated, it was probably produced for the royal family. And remember, beautiful objects made great gifts if you wanted to establish or strengthen political alliances. It is quite possible that the ancient Egyptians were actually exporting glass, not just making it or importing it. The trade with Mesopotamia was probably a friendly mutual trade because a Mesopotamia glass was usually white or yellow. So Mesopotamians might have traded while saying something like, we will give you two white discs for two red discs. Of course, that's just speculation, but it's possible that it could be true. There it is, people. Oh, my God. So that wasn't too bad to follow, uh, you know, compared to, oh, my God, I almost ran over my damn, like, uh, the desk. Anyway, so that wasn't too bad compared to, like, astrology, compared to psychology, which I will be doing, or the Bobo doll experiment. These ones are a little bit better. It wasn't exactly what I anticipated it to be. I thought it was going to be, like, this amazing Bronze Age, you know, type of listening. But it wasn't. It was a little bit boring. It was about you know, basically how they created glass. So here we go. Let's go over my notes. Bronze was a popular item to trade, okay? Trade commerce, they learned about this 3,000 years ago between the Mediterranean, uh, Mediterranean Sea was popular or whatever. Anyways, other materials they created from bronze, including glass. So excavation in Egypt on the Nile, they discovered an ancient glass factory. Right? So a lot of people believe that importing, it was always unfinished, but that wasn't necessarily true. This shit went into the whole Mesopotamian region consisting of the Middle Eastern countries, 
which she had stated. And she said, glass and meso is where the oldest glass comes from. So you had two stages. First stage, okay, discs of raw glass. The second stage was melted raw glass, discs, and created objects. I'm guessing that's what I wrote down. That probably wasn't the best. Several processes involved. Took quartz, they crushed it, then they mixed it with plant ash, and then ashes left after you, uh, the ashes were, the ashes was, the ashes were what was left after the burnt plant material. I think I'm trying to use the correct grammar. Nonetheless, low temperature in small containers like jars is, uh, were made out of clay. Okay, grassy material was grounded into powder and dye to color. Dye as in D-Y-E. Once cool, broke the molds, inside were discs. Second stage, discs were reheated, shaped into decorative objects. Most common were beads. They imitated precious stones because you really couldn't tell between the, the likes of a real pearl or a fake pearl, a real emerald or a fake emerald, right? They also created vessels with their own necks, probably valuable, so not so common to hold food items, right? She talked about oil and all that other stuff. Mostly red, they used copper. Any glass was popular, but the red bottles were owned by the wealthy, okay? It was a little difficult to make, mysterious, so more than likely it was produced for the royal family. Beautiful objects made gifts, okay? It strengthened political alliances when you trade these gifts, okay? And because they were exporting glass to the mutual trade with Meso, it was always like, okay, I have white and yellow and these people have red, let's make a trade. And it would strengthen those political ties. So making my notes into a story type of podcast now let's get into these damned questions compare your notes with mine too all right now number one what is it mainly about the lecture a different types of glass objects made by egyptians b whether egyptians or mesopotamians were the first to make glass c the history of glass production d new information about glass making and use in ancient egypt Ooh, get ready Number two. Oh my God, this is a little bit crazy. Okay. All right. We got a difficult one here. So what we have, we have order and process, right? Um, what is the process of making glass discs? Put the steps below in the correct order. Okay. So again, order where we're talking about the process in the correct order, obviously order, order is order, but the process is what we're aiming for. So you're going to have to write that in. We have A, glass-like material is grounded up and dyed blue or red. B, powdered material is heated at very high temperatures. Ooh. C, crushed quartz and plant ash are heated at low temperatures. And D, containers are broken to remove glass discs. Guys, I wrote all those down in the correct order. And that's why I wrote it down. I went over all those notes. I took those notes. And to be honest with you, if you go back up to my note section, which will be easy to view on my blog, you will see that I have the steps little by little just by having proper note taken. All right, so number three, what is the importance of the archeological evidence recently found in Egypt? It supports the theory that ancient Mesopotamians imported glass from ancient Egypt. It shows that ancient Mesopotamians were producing raw glass 
It proves that ancient Egypt, I'm sorry, ancient, ancient, I don't know why, oh my God, it's like twice. I don't know how that happened. Okay, that ancient Egyptians imported glass from Mesopotamia. It shows that ancient Egyptians were able to produce raw glass. Oh, that is difficult. This is one of those hard ones. I love hard. Number four, using raw glass and the glass discs. What were Egyptians able to create? So raw glass, glass discs. I can go back up to my notes. I will see the answer. Decorative objects, paper, artwork, or cooking utensils. Now, I don't remember hearing cooking utensils. I don't remember hearing artwork, and I don't remember hearing paper, but that's my own guess right off the top of my head. Number five, what are two kinds of glass objects that were valued in ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia? Oh, this is easy. This is easy. Okay, cooking utensils, no. Beads, uh, containers, or stones. All right, so not too bad. I like that. I like that. That's a good question. And according, in the last question, to the professor, what are two reasons why ancient Egyptians exported glass? You have to click on two answers or write two answers. Okay, so to acquire stones such as emeralds. Oh my God. Ugh, there we go. I don't know what's going on. What is this? Sorry, I think I wrote everything wrong. This is just terrible. Okay, so to acquire stones such as emeralds and pearls from other countries to acquire colors of glass not made in Egypt, to get bronze tools from other countries, or to build relationships with foreign leaders. So if you guys are watching the video, you probably saw, because I went down a little bit too far, you probably saw the first two answers, but nonetheless, you guys can stop. If you're listening to me, fantastic. Go to my blog, theArsenioButtShow.com, page two, you will see the answers, and again, Make sure for anyone who's reaching out to me, especially through Spotify, if you want me to tell you the answers and to why they are the answers and you want me to do a podcast like that, fantastic. But this is good for me and you to interactively communicate with one another so you can figure it out, see where it went wrong, and then you can respond to me and say, hey, you know what, can we do another one? And you can walk us through the answers. I'll be more than happy to do that. So with that being said, people, man, thank you so much. We're tuning in to another ESL podcast, another TOEFL IBT discussion special. We got a lot more coming. I still have to do some writing. I have to do another reading. And guys, just stay tuned for a lot of it. But remember, all of this is on Patreon. So if you're interested and you want all of this right now, go on over there or reach out to me and we can discuss more. I'm your host as always, over and out.